0: Support for wave makers comes from listeners like you and the Tampa Bay Times. The Pulitzer Prize winning newspaper is available around the Tampa Bay area and online at Tampa Bay.com. Thanks to the Tampa Bay Times for their support. Good morning and welcome to Wave Makers with Janet and Tom, a weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. And running the board today is Oscar-worthy John Dunn. Answering the phones is DJ Spaceship. If you want to join our conversation, you can call us at 813-239-9663. DJ Spaceship will get you through to us. You can also just say hi to him because he's a super cool guy. You can also email us at dj at or text us at 813-433-0885.
1: Our guest today has been making waves in St. Petersburg government and political circles for decades. Nikki Gaskin-Capehart has worked for two members of Congress and the mayor of St. Pete. Now she's taking on her biggest job yet as president and CEO of the Pinellas County Urban League. Welcome to Wavemakers, Nikki.
2: Thank you
0: for having me, both of you. It's great to have you here. Um, Nikki is the first woman to head the league in its 46 years of existence, succeeding the late Reverend Watson Hayes, a towering civil rights figure in Pinellas County who died in 2022. Um, So, Nikki, those are are big shoes to fill. Um, Tell us a little bit about
2: what your plans are for the Urban League in the coming years. Right, they are big shoes to fill, and I definitely want to start by just honoring Reverend Haynes' legacy because he was such a trailblazer in our community, having grown up in the the historic gas plant neighborhood, having mentored so many other uh, young professionals throughout his career, um, just doing outstanding work for many years, and I, I really do look at it as a privilege to take what he started to the next level with Pinellas County Urban League. And one of the first things that, as a part of my CEO and presidential um, uh, start, was strategic planning. And for me, with our Vision 2030 plan, working with our board of directors, our staff, our community partners, um, it was so very important for us to start strong and listen to the community on what they would like to see the direction be for the Urban League over the next six to seven years. So that's where I start. I am a collaborator by nature. That's how I've been able to achieve so much of the things that I have in my career to this point, even in my last position with the uh, city of St. Petersburg. So much of the department that I um, started, the Division of Urban Affairs, was based on collaboration and collective impact modeling. So it was important for me to hear from the community as we put together this Vision 2030 for the Urban League.
1: Well, I, I know you are still working on this plan. Yes. But it is based on some fundamental philosophies, uh, defend democracy, demand diversity, and defeat Auberty.
2: Yes, that's okay, our you're not national taking on some charge. Small issues right. There. Well, that's the national charge. <laughs> but it, that's it the national is, charge. Yes. But all the urban leagues, all are- affiliates have, um, if you will, a connection to those national, you know, type of charges that come from Mark Morial's leadership. He's been 20 years at the helm of the National Urban League, doing outstanding work. You know, he was mayor in New Orleans for many years. Um, but so what? As you mentioned, yes, we are still in the development stages of our strategic plan. And I believe that a strategic plan is something that should be working. It's not that old school. You develop it. It sits on a shelf in a notebook or nowadays it sits on a website, on a page. But it should be something that's interactive and you're continuing to implement and improve on with partners, with your team um, long term. It's a living document. A living document is so key. Now, yeah. uh,
1: some of our listeners may recall we had Stanley Gray on the show a few months ago talking about he's your counterpart in Hillsborough Yes, he's yes. He's the head of the Hillsborough County Urban League. Mm-hmm. Now, the Hillsborough County Urban League actually won away for a few years, and Stanley Gray is in the process of bringing it back to life, reinvigorating it, refocusing it. Yes. That has not been the issue with the Urban League. You all have... For 46 46 years,
2: we have been blessed to be in existence for 46 years and we're really excited to, you know, of course, partner with our um, counterparts across the Bay because we look at it as a strong regional effort, if you will, for the Urban Leagues. Um, So, you know, we spent some time with them during the holidays and had a chance to connect with uh, Stanley and the team over here. But well, we really have been blessed to have 46 years of continuous, um, improvement for the Pinellas County Urban League. You know, starting with a vision, if you will, of a small group of people who wanted to come together. And Mr. Jim Simmons, who is a longtime Tampa resident, uh, was our first executive director and CEO of the Urban League. And we, I definitely want to honor his, um, uh, it, all of the work and hard and determination that he put into the Urban League. And we're actually getting ready to do an Urban League um, documentary talking about the story. Of the Pinellas County Urban League, starting with you know the leadership of those who felt it important to make this type of uh, impact and movement that would be sustained for this long, so that I can come in as the first woman forty-six years later and then take it to the next level. So, 1978 was when the the
0: Urban League of Pinellas County was established. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: what you you what was going on then that made it? necessary, so um, a lot of the things that you know at that time there was an outstanding group of people, and one of the ladies we honored her most recently at our gala last year uh, miss Jean davies um outstanding group of um women and men who saw the need in Pinellas county to really focus on some of the pre employment training needs in the community at that time. They received a CETA grant in nineteen seventy seven um, and that's when Mr. Um, Simmons was uh, first appointed as the president and CEO and then went to the National Urban League to become the 117th affiliate. But there were some major needs back then around training for youth um, around training and development. And so that uh, really gave them the um, excitement to go forward with that type of uh, uh, movement so that we could really have an impact long term in jobs and placement. And that's one of our focus areas as a part of Vision 2030. So that's still important today.
0: Yeah, and we want to go back and definitely go through
2: those pillars because mm-hmm. we can talk a
0: little bit about the pillars of of the vision 2030. Right, but um, historically, thinking back on that time when the Urban League was founded, you were around then. You were you were born and raised in St. Pete, so you were <laughs> I was. Then. I'm a native. Um, I it, was four. You, and Years um, old. but um, but you know, you were growing up yes. with during that period of time, and mm-hmm. w- what was what was it like? I mean, because St. Pete was, uh, I mean, historically very segregated. Oh yeah, and
2: so what was your experience like? Well, one of the things that for me, having grown up as a native in St. Petersburg and being a Gen Xer, so I'm fifty. Um, And I've seen a lot of different changes in our community. And I know that during that time, there was a major need, if you will, around equity, just like there is now, Mm -hmm. Um, and the importance of making sure that our community had opportunities um, that, you know, segregation at times did not offer. So organizations like the Pinellas County Urban League, um, the Pinellas Opportunity Council, Um, All of these organizations added to what the NAACP was doing. Um, Of course, some of the um, other trailblazers like the Courageous 12 in our community, who were those police officers who sued the city of St. Petersburg to be able to patrol all of the um, neighborhoods, not just the black neighborhoods. Um, so as a part of what we at the Pinellas County Urban League want to be a part of long term in um, being advocates for equity, inclusion, diversity, uh, systemic change um, in our community. It's important for us to honor where we've come from, but keep a, an eye towards progress
0: for the future. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF. And our guest is uh, Nikki Capehart. Um, and she is the CEO of the Urban League of Pinellas County. If you have any questions or you'd like to, um, make any comments, you can email us at dj at wmnf.org or call us at 813. 813- Two three nine nine six six three, 239 9663 And tell us a little bit about what your experience was like um, growing up in, in St. Pete. And if you've had any um, interaction with the Urban League, let us know. 813-239-9663. <laughs>
1: Janet mentioned how segregated St. Petersburg was and, and really still is. The legacy of segregation continues to this day, uh, I think. Uh, so much of the black population re- still lives south of Central Avenue. Mm-hmm. And it was literally against the law. Right. In St. Petersburg. I think a lot of people don't to even realize that. Mm-hmm. Certain areas black people could not live there.
2: Well, you know, that was across the country. I mean that that has so much to do with redlining um, throughout the country. And Saint Petersburg of course was Um, If you will, another example of that. And one thing that I want to also make sure that we um, point out is we are the Pinellas County Urban League, not the St. Petersburg Urban League. Mm -hmm. So we make sure that we are covering throughout the county. That's Clearwater. That's Tarpon Springs. Um, We might have started in St. Petersburg, but we have expanded to be a part of Pinellas County for a, a long time now. So that's a
1: big county to cover. It is
2: a huge county to cover, with a lot of opportunities um, in all of these other counties for us to really um, have a transformative impact in those underserved communities throughout the county. You,
0: you told we were talking about what the the charge of the Urban League was, and it was about from its inception creating diversity and inclusion and all those things that we're talking about now. Um, That's still your charge, uh, based on what the the national goals are. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting climate that you're working in now. What is that like and how does that affect the work that the Urban League does?
2: It's a very interesting uh, climate. For me, it makes me that much more resolved to do this type of work because we can't allow the climate to, you know, effectively make us uh, lose hope in uh, what we need to do and particularly as community leaders. Um, knowing how um, difficult it may be um, for us to continue um, working in spaces where, you know, we talk about the importance of inclusion. We talk about the importance of equity. We talk about the importance of diversity, just like we said with the three D's earlier, demand democracy, uh, defend democracy, demand diversity and defeat poverty. All of those things are very important to who we are. And that's why we focus on the pillars of being a champion of education and community leadership. These are our four pillars, if you don't mind, if I would just share with you, um, as a part of our Vision 2030, and as we continue to move this plan forward. But we really look to be a champion for education and community leadership. And like when we started, we want to be an anchor in the job training, placement and entrepreneurship space. Um, We talked about gas plan a little bit. You know, those are some generational opportunities for building generational wealth. And we wanna make sure that the community is ready for that and that we help develop that pipeline. Um, We also are a hub of housing and community development and then being a leader in the health impact and quality of life of our communities. So those are all areas where we have programs that currently exist and we want to expand on that even further. Um, what does the process look like for developing your 2030 plan? So we right now are in the process of continuing um, our survey. Um, we've, been, we've been really blessed to have over 700 responded wow, to our that's survey. Great. Yes, I, I, we were so excited about it, and so now we're synthesizing that data. Uh, of course, listening to um, our our constituents and our clients and our our partners around how we can better expand those pillars in those areas, and be accountable, of course, to our funders, um, who we have several different funders from the state, local, um, and even some federal connected programs through the National Urban League. Um, so we really are excited about the opportunity to expand on this Vision 2030 and then implement it in a way that can be impactful in our community. Well, let's talk about those pillars in a little bit more detail, mm-hmm. the programs
0: that you have. So the Education and Community Leadership What is happening in that um, sphere for you guys right now?
2: So in the education piece, we're um, working with a state program in youth um, crime and intervention and prevention. So we do some educational enhancement. We also are pulling together and working with, of course, our school system. But in um, post-secondary education, we expect to also include a fellowship. That's one of the things that I helped to start while at the city of St. Petersburg. We had under our My Brothers and Sisters Keeper Fellowship that was connected to the Obama administration. So we saw some great advancement in training in that. And so the succession plan and needed in our community, making sure that people are really ready for the next level of opportunities is going to allow us to have fellowships that would help to train people in emotional intelligence and all of the different things that will help them to become a better community leader. So that's just some of the ways that we connect. We have some programs that work with our youth and enhancement and in jobs. So those are some of the ways that we will continue to expand in the community education and leadership space.
0: And then what about... also, you talked about job training, placement, and entrepreneurship. So what yes. is that program
2: like? We are really excited about some new developments in that area. Um, there will be a big announcement this week about entrepreneurship dollars. Oh, you don't want to make it in. on our show? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I'm kind of making it, actually. I just won't say exactly the name of it and who our funder is. Um, but we have an entrepreneurship center in place. And we're really excited about expanding this for opportunities. Um, we'll have a trade mission that's connected to it. So wow. that we can, yeah, make sure that these entrepreneurs are really ready for opportunities at gas plant opportunities and other major developments, working with them from startup. Um, all the way through accelerator stage, um, all types of businesses. So we started that and had really good success in the city of St. Petersburg in the um, former department that I ran in urban affairs. And we're proud of that entrepreneurial ecosystem, working with the Equity Institute, Pinellas County Economic Development, Tampa Bay Black Business Investment Corporation, um, CDC of Tampa, all of the different partners, Mount Zion Human Services, who come together. Oh, that is a wide net. Yes. Yeah. We are we have been working on this now. Actually, we started and we go back now 2014. We started one of our first small business salons at the Job Corps there um, with my girlfriend, Shara Anderson. And she's <laughs> so amazing. She was with Bill Nelson's office back then. And we had this idea and worked with our community partners, and we called them the Small Business Salon. And these were entrepreneurs who would come, get information, make connections at this event, And then, you know, take that to the next level. And we started that many years ago. And we want to see that continue. Can you share any success stories of businesses that went through the program and taken off? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we have several success stories. Some of them are actually, you know, um, contractors with the city of St. Petersburg, with state agencies. They've received their certifications in um, MBE and DBE. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. We have some that are working with the different school boards. Um, so we're really proud, and then of course we have some that will be major connection to some of the opportunities on the deuces and in gas plant right now as well.
0: And we definitely want to talk more about the gas plant and, and deuces after we finish with your, your mm-hmm, pillars. The, rest of our pillars. the um, do. You, are there any businesses that you work with on on that segment, the the placement entrepreneurship? Anybody you want to um, give a well, shout out to? The,
2: definitely the. Um, so the anchor piece that we're looking at, we're really excited to um, be working with some of the hospitals hospitals and hoping to really expand the um, with, through the Foundation for a Healthy St. Petersburg, the Anchors um, Collaborative, so that we would be able to help with the pipeline necessary for health care. Um, we also see a need when it comes to financial services. Um, we have so many of our board members that we're able to be able to serve for some of their employment needs. But it's also really important for us to connect to our teens when it comes to soft skills building, um, making sure that they have the certifications that they would need, in, especially in technology mm-hmm. and the STEM fields. So all of those um, kind of connect to where we want to go with job placement and training and entrepreneurship under that second pillar. Um then um housing and
0: community development, that's a huge issue. Housing is such a huge issue. So what's happening on that front?
2: It's huge. So right now we have our um, low-income housing energy and assistance program called LIHEAP, and we also have our weatherization program, and um, Congresswoman Caster just helped with bringing some more money to the area um, through the bipartisan infrastructure law to allow us to expand the weatherization programming. Um, But we really want to get more into housing development and mixed use development as well. We are we own our own building and um, there are opportunities there for us to look at maybe using that building for is a much better highest and best use than what it is right now as office space. Um, and you'll see that around the country and a lot of communities where um, many of these older buildings are being converted into space for housing and office and retail so we really are excited about seeing how our hub of housing and community development would allow us to be um, able to self- sustain our organization for many years to come outside of government grants.
0: Um, and then your your um, last hub is, um,
2: and I don't have it in front of me, oh, um, health, health
0: impact and quality of life.
2: Yes, yeah, so right now we have our ACA navigation program where we're helping people to get affordable healthcare, um, but we are looking to really expand that when we talk about quality of life for our community. So much is connected to physical, mental and financial health. So we really want to make sure that we're connecting to the community. And these are some of the things we heard back in our survey responses as well, is that, you know, you can build community around healthy eating. You can build community around um, healthy activities, um, making sure that people have opportunities to for walking clubs, for yoga. I'm really proud of um, the second week, maybe third week when I started with the Urban League, we started chair yoga for our team. Um, a lot of them had never done that before. So Mindful Movement of Florida came in and now every Monday we have um, what I call our Mindful Mondays chair yoga session at noon with our staff, so that they have an opportunity to only not only take care. Of- of themselves better mm-hmm. um, as we take care of the community. So, and we're also sponsoring our Wow, which is Workout Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at, expanding that in South and North County and Pinellas, so that we can work with several of our community partners um, to expand those opportunities for healthy um, activities, demonstrations for cooking, and then financial um, empowerment too. All in the same session, hour and a half, and provide care for people. That's that is a lot. Lot of stuff
0: and a lot to expand on it for is. 2030 over the next six years. So um, we'll be looking forward to seeing how things go for you. Yeah. Um, we'll be back right after this um, with um, Nikki uh, Capehart, who is the CEO of the Urban League of Pinellas County. We're going we to talk a little bit more about housing and what's happening in um, Pinellas County and St. Pete. But first, let's hear about a little bit more about some other excellent pro- programming here on WMNF.
1: Jazz is alive at WMNF Tune in Sunday evenings at 8 for Colors of Jazz at our new time Featuring new releases from new artists, old favorites, international jazz from Europe, Asia and Canada Covering everything from big band swing to bop to fusion We play it all, plus specials celebrating the music of giants like Ellington Miles Davis, Pat Metheny, Quincy Jones, Chick Corea, even Frank Zappa. We play the music you'll hear no place else on the radio. Check out our interviews with local jazz musicians. Jazz is what America sounds like, and it's yours to listen to come Sunday evening. If you can't catch us live, play it back from the archives. So we are back with our guest, Nikki Capehart. And uh, we have been talking about uh, the thorny issue of diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI for short, which wasn't thorny until just recently. Um, In fact, Governor DeSantis was an advocate for DEI in the universities when he first started as governor, and now the, uh, the DEI programs have been unfunded in the college systems. But Diversity, equity, and inclusion is a very broad term, mm-hmm. and it also comes together in another subject we've been talking about, which is the gas plant.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which uh, The gas plant is a historically black neighborhood in St. Petersburg, which was essentially wiped out for the development of Tropicana Field. Um, and now the Rays won a new ballpark, and uh, I know you worked on that project when you were working for Mayor Rick Kreisman. Mm-hmm. So tell us... Uh, What you saw, what you hope will happen with the redevelopment plan? Because it's not just building a new ballpark for the Rays, right? Right.
2: It's much bigger than that. Like I said,
1: how it it figures into the whole diversity, equity, and inclusion.
2: Work that we're doing, that yeah. doing, yes. So um, just a little more history on that. Um, when I was with the craftsman administration, we understood the importance of even making sure that the RFP was done in an equitable manner. So um, we worked with Bloomberg-Harvard Early on through their city leadership initiative and our project and several mayors had the opportunity to select projects throughout the country. Mayor Christman selected the equitable redevelopment of the historic gas plant as our project. So we had 10 people that went to New York with us to work on how we could make sure that RFP was written in a manner that would honor those who were displaced who are still um, here and have lived experience, having lived there in, in historic gas plant. So we were very intentional from day one about how to approach this project so that it would have diversity, equity, and inclusion at its core. And so having worked with that team Way back, you know, then to develop an equitable RFP, we're now at a point to where we can see the fruition of that with this second administration working on this project and saying that equity is important. We do, as a community, have to make sure that we are at the table and hold those developers and the city accountable for making sure that those actually those equitable um um, if you will, things that were written in the RFP and that were promised happen.
1: And uh, the current mayor, Ken Welch, uh, grew up in, in the gas, yes. gas plant area. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very personal issue it is for him. him. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of the plan so far?
2: So, I think the plans so far are definitely moving forward in a good manner. I also think that we have to, from the community, make sure that we stay involved in the intricacies of that. So, you know, the 50 million equity plan. It's important that we are um, involved in how that will move forward. I've also been um, very vocal in saying that I believe it's absolutely important that there's home ownership. As a part of the development, um, when we talk about, you talked about the needs of um, affordable housing. I think affordable housing when it comes to rental is important, but also affordable housing when it comes to ownership is important. When you talk about honoring what happened on that site so many years later, I would love to see for our seniors like Miss Gwen Reese, who's been such an griot for our community, telling the story and and having lived it. But for her and other seniors like her to possibly be able to move back to that site in something like senior housing legacy style like has happened at Jordan Park. So, you know, from a community standpoint, our leaders, we really have to make sure that we step up and honor uh, what we know could really be um, long term sustained generational impact um, on the site.
1: And have you you've uh, reached out to the the, the mayor? To talk oh, about we these we yeah.
2: definitely we yeah. make sure that we keep those conversations ongoing. Um, not just with the mayor, but it's important to do that with um, Ray's Hines as well.
1: The, that's the development group that's, that's actually going to be group. executing this mm-hmm. plan, mm-hmm. not just building a ballpark. Is yeah. Make that clear. It's and also definitely.
2: About, I mean, that's
0: that's the hard work is holding them accountable to making sure making sure that they actually do what they say they're going to do because people array. can say anything.
2: Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the reasons the community has so much distrust around projects like this, because, you know, um, we uh, we we understand the importance of promises, but we, you know, know that so many people feel like those promises have been broken time and time again. So, as a part of our responsibility um, as community leaders, particularly in um, organizations like the Urban League, um, who are working on economic development and community development, not just social services, but long term generational. Community change, and like I call, like to say, wealth building, mm-hmm. so that, you know, as a part of making sure that people are bringing more money into their homes, whether they're working and they also have a business or um, what we sometimes call a side hustle <laughs> that can become, <laughs> you know, something that's traditional, um, that we can make sure they have all of the wraparound that they need. So that their family can increase their income, and then their youth are in programs that are really going to the next level. But so is the parent. So all of those are connected to you know gas plant and so many of the other um, developments that we like to see even along the Deuces
1: and affordable housing. Uh, this is uh, that's part of of that gas plant project is to make sure that there's affordable housing. But you mentioned uh, that the Urban League has an interest in getting involved in, in building and mm-hmm. developing. So how how mm-hmm. are you going to do that? Where are you thinking? Well, about- I'm so
2: glad you asked that because let me tell you, that's one of the things that, you know, I study urban leagues from all around the country. And there are other urban leagues that have been in this space for a while. Um, down in Miami, um, T. Willer Fair, um, who has been an urban league leader there for 60 years. Wow. Um, He said the other day that he hasn't had a fundraiser in 30 years because they had become a major developer in that area. And so they have that to sustain the organization. Mm -hmm. And then they're able to employ residents of their um, developments. So all of those things connect. And that's what I would like to see for our Urban League in Pinellas County is that we can really take the opportunity to be a developer in our community and use that so that it can infuse our programs and connect to what we want to do with our youth all the way through to our seniors. So, you know, those are the types of things that I'm studying on a regular basis. And like I said to you before, it feels like four years as opposed to four months. <laughs> um, but, you know, I know that there's great work ahead of us and we're trying to pace ourselves, the team that I'm bringing on on board. Um, but we got, you know, some heavy work to do.
1: Well, it's, it's difficult building affordable housing right now because of the cost of construction, because Correct. of the cost of land, uh, permitting. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw Former Senator Jeff Brandis talking on this very subject on mm-hmm. Friday at the Tampa Tiger Bay Club. And he was very critical of a project that the St. Pete City Council just approved, mm-hmm. which involves spending $19 million on 24 units. Yeah. His point being, <laughs> how can that be affordable? Um, and he, he calls it a, a – it's, it's going to become a case study for worst practices. That's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. It could be used in ways that would be maybe more – have more impact. What do you think of that project?
2: Yeah. So Sankofa is a very important project to our community. It's much more than affordable housing. It is community building. It is bringing a corridor back to life that at once was, if you will, a black main street until the interstate came through. Mm -hmm. Um, It is bringing purchasing power back to that corridor, which is also a main street, a Florida main street. So um, that initial phase is the beginning. And we expect to be able to see commercial development that will follow that as well. Um, So I would hate to have that be the only narrative around that investment. Because what we'd like to see for that portion of the corridor is that it's an epicenter, if you will, for making it a destination for people to come and spend money on the deuces and make sure that they are investing long term in those needs. Yes, housing is very important, is uh, expensive now, but it's also important for Um, us to look at ways that, you know, as we're being uh, good stewards of the community money that we might have to change our design a little bit. Um, That's something that we got to do better from the city side and the community side. Uh, We might need to be a little more flexible and agile as we're looking at these developments over years, because they might take a little revisioning so that we could, you know, better design them for what our needs are. But this is just the start so um that that uh, development in particular, we're expecting much more from it than that.
1: that's the kind of development that the urban league could use to build on and, and get more going because the Deuces was, as you say, it, it was yes, a thriving, thriving thriving place at mm-hmm. the time it was neglected, and St. Pete, of course, right now, is just on fire there's oh, so absolutely. much development going on yet. The deuces doesn't seem to people, you know, right, seem to be neglecting it. Right,
2: there's years of, um, you know, lack, if you will. The, the, there's a lack of investment that's uh, obvious. And, of course, now we're so glad to have our CRA in place. That's one of the things that we started. Community development area. Yes, our community reinvestment area um, that now um, is over $16 million, I believe, the last time we checked annually, that can be invested um, started at about 460. Wow! Yeah, you, back you sh- in 2015. Had a hand in
1: starting that. Yes, CRA, right?
2: very, very proud of having a hand in that. Um, working so closely with um, community um, folks, Gypsy Gallardo, Miss um, uh, Gwendo- Gwendolyn Reese. Uh, uh, Pastor Lewis Murphy. I start naming people, and I will get okay, in trouble. That's okay. Name them. <laughs> um, you know. Oh, even at the city end, Rick Smith, who was one of those ones who helped to write the CRA. He's no longer with the city of St. Petersburg. Now, um, I believe in Gainesville. We worked so hard. So um, Mayor Christman and Deputy Mayor Tomlin um, really out out of the gate. And that's another one too that I want. Um, I want to make sure that I don't forget is. At that same time, we were writing the CRA. We were also talking about the importance of a need for a disparity study. And we're so proud now to have an Office of Supplier Diversity at the city because of that disparity study that mm-hmm. was done and started when we were there. So, you know, what you start in certain administrations is really important that it transcends administrations and that that work keeps going. Um, but we're, we're really proud of what was started with SCRA so that now we can have that investment vehicle. But we have to be intentional about the way that the money is spent, so that it really is felt in the community.
0: And we talk about CRA's on this show quite a bit, shockingly. <laughs> um, but what they are, for, for if you if you don't know and you're listening, is they're are areas where the property tax uh, revenue increases are um, invested back into the area where they were collected instead of going into a general fund and distributed throughout a municipality or jurisdiction. And we got to
2: remember to leverage them with the federal CRAs because, you know, I started in commuter development banking, a um, hundred years ago um, <laughs> with Amp South Bank before it became Regions. And, you know, when we really make that effective, we get the federal CRA to connect with the local CRA, and then you have the impact in the community that really could change lives. And, and what,
1: what are you hoping that money will be spent on? Uh, because over here in Tampa, also going through a development boom, some of their CRAs, are they have so much cash they're starting to spend it on projects that... They are going to build some affordable housing in downtown Tampa. The CRA is going to do that. What is the St. Pete's? CRA going to do with that money?
2: Well, one of the things that they had already started doing around the affordable housing piece was working with, you know, homeowners in the area, but also the training aspect of it. So St. Pete Works was a a part of the CRA that was really important because we didn't want to just focus on places. We also wanted to focus on people because, as you know, um, in on, on the other end of the deuces for us, We went through a time where we lost the Sweet Bay and then we lost the Walmart, all a part of Tangerine Plaza, but you really have to focus on people in the community as well and building them up and making sure that they have those opportunities. So I like to see the CRA focus on housing opportunities, but also focus on people um, and entrepreneurship, just like we're doing at the Urban League, so that it really is having a broader reach Um, In the community, that'll be sustainable because you can build it and people will not come. You don't necessarily build it and they'll come.
1: Right. So um, you worked for the previous administration and now you're on the outside of the administration. How how do you think things are going with Ken Welch from your standpoint? Uh, Is he continuing uh, the work uh, that you were doing and that uh, Mayor Christman was doing?
2: I think I see a lot of the things that they're doing at the city that is a continuation. As I just mentioned, the Office of Supplier Diversity is one that I'm really excited to see the continuation of. I think every mayor wants to make a name for themselves and not necessarily do everything that the prior mayor has done. So I don't expect that they would do everything that we did. Um, But there are some great things that we started that, of course, I would like to see more focus on out of the city. For instance, our My Brothers and Sisters Keeper initiative. Um, I think is one of the ones that I would love to see um, them do a little more around. What is that? Um, so we started that, you know, it was connected to uh, President Obama's initiative, um, his My Brother's Keeper initiative. But we added sisters to it. And so as a result, it was an opportunity for us to work with families um, and professionals. Um, connected to that program, um, giving them connect, uh, connections to jobs, but also pathway programs, what we call um, opportunity pathway programs, so that the families, whatever they might need, childcare, uniforms, all of those things to change their, their family's trajectory economically, they would have that. So those are some of the programs that, you know, we started and that I was really proud of. But we love to see more of that come out of the administration. And I'm sure they're working on it as they open their new office of equity. And they have their interim equity director right now, Carl Lavender. You are listening
0: to Wavemakers on WMNF with Janet and Tom. And our guest today is uh, Nikki uh K-PART?
1: Gaskin K-PART. Nikki, Ga- <laughs> yeah, Nikki Gaskin K-PART,
0: K- K- <laughs> <Gaskin laughs> K- who is the CEO of the Urban League of Pinellas County. Um, WMNF is a listener-supported radio, and I'm going to take a break right now and give you um, some ideas on how you might be able to support WMNF.
2: Wow, now that's a big
0: RV. But when's the last time you used it? Just imagine all the room you'll gain when you move that motorhome, RV, or other vehicle getting in the way. WMNF accepts cars, trucks, RVs, and more as a form of support. Plus, donating is easy and the pickup is free. Go to WMNFcar.org for more. Uh,
1: another one of the pillars. Uh, you're just uh, joining us. Uh, and please call us if you'd like to uh, engage in the conversation here with uh, Nikki Gaskin-Capehart, the president and CEO of the Pinellas County Urban League. If you'd like to join the conversation, please call us at 813-239-9663, or you can email us at dj at wmnf.org. Now, one of the national goals of the Urban League is to defend democracy. We haven't talked uh, that much about that part of it. So mm-hmm. what? how do you incorporate that into your vision plan? And how are you going to help oh, us defend I'm so, democracy? I'm
2: so glad you mentioned that. So as a part of when we talk about our four pillars, and we actually have three um, themes, too, that I want to make sure that I, um, four themes that I um, uh, share in this strategic community empowerment a sustainable social enterprise. I talked a little bit about enhancing our program and service footprint and then fiscal operation and responsibility. Um, But when we talk about um, defending democracy, we really uh, will continue to focus on, and this is something that Urban League used to work on before anyway, which was voter engagement. Um, and making sure that we are connected to um, opportunities for the community to um, you know be involved in the um, vote their voting rights and making sure that they have all of the information if they are needing absentee ballots. We actually have an event coming up um, that we're working with um, It's called Super Bowl Saturday in two weekends. Um, just making sure that people are engaged and understand what they need. Uh, to be uh, super voters. I've Mm -hmm. always had this thing about saying that, you know, um, I wish that everybody was as proud to be a super voter as I think they should be. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, having worked, you know, for congressional members for years, I remember... Um, Taking my daughter with me to the polls um, and making sure that she saw the process early on and understood how important it was to be engaged and that if she wasn't, that that was something that she was losing, you Mm -hmm. know, like, you know, you have to exercise that right to vote. Um, because you it 's so very important, so that 's one of the ways that we really want to plug into you know how the urban, the National urban League is talking about the three ds in defending democracy and making sure that we show up in our communities um, with those with us, um, other advocates. Um, across the country. Souls to the Poles Mm -hmm. is another one that we are very proud of having been a part of for many years. Um, And we work with the Divine Nine organizations. Um, I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated where our social action initiatives are very important for us to um, stay engaged on a regular basis with defending our democracy, and you'll be
1: doing voter registration drives. Just to try to. Yeah. We will work with absolutely.
2: We will be working with. We aren't an actual um, third party registering organization, but we continue to work with the supervisor of election, uh, legal women voters of our, a lot of our other partners to um, you know have people not only register but that they stay engaged and actually vote and again become super voters because that's so important.
1: The Urban League often takes a slightly different, you have a your own niche, which seems to be a little more on the economics, right? Well, that's but, where I'm
2: heading. You know, a lot of Urban Leagues um, are getting to that point to where they're focusing a lot more on community development and economic development um, as opposed to what I, you know, sometimes I've I've said that, you know, we want to focus on eradicating and reducing poverty, not maintaining it. Mm-hmm. And so, when we talk about from the national level is defeating poverty, one of the ways that we do that is by equipping our community and our families. To increase their income, to increase their skill set, um, to if they have a business, to make sure that you know there are they are scaling properly and that their capacity is growing, so that they are tapping into and not being afraid of um, loans that may be available mm-hmm. to them, so that they can grow. Um, we have a lot of solopreneurs. Um, And we want to get to the point to where we have people who are employing other people. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in the community and you're of the community, nine times out of ten, you're going to employ the community. Right. It makes it easier when you are a business on a corridor in underserved neighborhoods if you have more jobs to offer because then neighbors can walk to their job. It makes it that much easier. When we talk about the deuces, the importance of housing like that is... Five minute walkability so that people can connect to that purchasing power and spend money on their corridor and not have to drive. Well, and all those things
0: that you're talking about, which are so holistic, but it is also about systemic change. Yes. Um, starting from the economic standpoint and creating opportunity for people.
2: Yes, and structural um, racism study was one of the other things under our um, prior administration that we were able to work on. And a lot of those recommendations with USF and some of the other partners really have helped to um, push us in a direction um, for the change that we would like to see.
0: Um, let's spend a little bit of time talking about how you um, got to where you are.
2: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> It seemed like it was overnight. No, <laughs>
1: <laughs> wave makers are, are are not born; they're grown.
2: <laughs> it
0: took they, a long right? time. It you're Takes right. a while. Yeah. But wait, before we do that, let's we have a, a caller. So let's go to the phones. We've got um, Solar in St. Pete, who um, has a comment. That uh, so let's go to Solar in St. Pete. You are on the line.
1: Yes, greetings. I want to applaud Nikki for what she's doing because. Uh, that K. Part name go back a long time
0: of, of fighting for true democracy, and for her to take that mantle and do what she's doing, I like to applaud Sister K. Part.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that because that name go back a long as a legacy of standing up for true democracy
1: in the same Petersburg area and, and for equity as well. Tell us more about that.
0: Thank you, <clears throat> Solar. Are you there? Yes. Okay. Right. It sounds like
1: you uh, are very familiar with the Capehart uh, name and St. Pete, so we appreciate you calling. Okay.
2: Thank you. Thanks for thank you, thank for, you calling. for calling. Appreciate, appreciate it very it. much. Um, so you you were grew up in St. Pete. I did, and all, all over the city of St. Petersburg. Yeah. So um, I. And When I talk about the deuces, I'm really, really, I'm nostalgic about it because um, I grew up in that area. My grandmother had a house um, right off of the deuces, and we still have that home. Mm -hmm. Um, She was the flip lady. I think a lot of people will. The flip lady? What does that mean? So the flip lady, and when I explain it, I know there are people who know what that is, but um, when I explain it to people who aren't aware, I use the example of, Um, a neighborhood woman, um, matriarch figure who ran out of her home something similar to a bodega. So, you know, flips for us. She sold candy, flips, um, pickles, different Mm -hmm. things. So it was like we had our own little convenience store in my grandmother's home for many years. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with an entrepreneurial spirit Mm -hmm. um, of having run the um, Flip ladies. Operation. Oh, okay. And so that really, um, for me, it it, it showed early on for me the ability to not be afraid of um, my entrepreneurial spirit, but to lean into it. And in your community. In my community, knowing people who, you know, they still call me the flip lady's granddaughter, (laughs) and I'm 50 years old. And so... um,
1: (laughs) Now, just to be clear, a flip is...
2: So a flip is is frozen Kool-Aid or juice that sometimes has fruit in it and so it can be it's like in a little cup it's of course very refreshing during the summer when it's hot and kids are out playing there are still philip ladies around and you know they they make this uh frozen treat i remember having some for 10 cents We had some for 25 cents, and then we had (laughs) some for even bigger than that. Um, But my grandmother, um, who I I lost when she was 68 years old, was... Yeah, very young. and But she was one of those women who made me realize that I could do anything in my power because she was literally afraid of nothing.
1: Are there flip ladies still around? In
2: there point? are flip there ladies are. still around. And uh, <laughs> those are those entrepreneurs in yeah. our community that we can learn from. Right, And that's why it's so important for me when we teach entrepreneurship now to make sure um, that we meet people where they are. You know, meet people where they are, and, and they might be really good at baking, they might be good at other things, um, but there's a passion and an opportunity for growth um, with all of those people in our community. Uh, well, Nikki, we have another love letter
0: for you. This is from um, Donald Royer in New Tampa, who says, kudos to Nikki, great to see young movers at the helm.
2: Oh, so I'm you young. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank all you. I in this room. I want to tell it's you all that. relative, us, I guess. Us three folks here. Thank you. Um, so then you went on to um, college, mm-hmm. you went to um, FAMU and the University of South I Florida. Did. And then you worked in for members of Congress. Now, was that some, Well, you started off at a bank, I think. You started, right. And then you went to. Go ahead. Well,
2: the one thing that I'll say um, even before starting in the banking industry is I started as an intern with the en program here in Tampa Bay area. Wow. And it really, for me, that's one of the reasons why we like to focus on our youth um, opportunities, because it set the, the um, environment and the tone for me early on. In a professional environment. whats inroads? En-ROADS? I'm not familiar with so that. So en is a minority um, development national internship program that at that time worked primarily with the finance industry okay. and engineering. I actually worked, and I know I'm, I'm dating myself with this, I worked with Barnett Bank as mm-hmm. an intern back in like 87. Mm-hmm. And so all of that really helped to prepare me throughout my career in graduating from USF after having been at Florida A&M. Barnett Bank. Thank for any of you who moved (laughs) here recently- (laughs) This is
0: now Bank of America. I was yes. acquired over and over again and then now is Bank of America. But in the 80s, it was like the big local bank.
2: It really was. <laughs> and it was my start, you know. And, and for, for me, having done that and then going to AmSouth Bank and starting out in community development banking, working on CRAs on the other side, mm-hmm. really allowed me now in this role to have seen so many different things in small business development and housing and all of the things that I'm now working on, on this other side. So I'm really um, excited to have had that type of a start that allowed me to get to where I am now. When you've been
0: in government and politics for a while, mm-hmm. how does it feel to not be in it? It feels
2: great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest, it feels absolutely great. I This position, you know, when I really prayed about putting my name in the hat because Um, when Reverend Haynes passed, um, I knew before that, that he wanted me to come back. Um, And it took a a lot of people talking to me about um, the opportunity and whether or not I should consider it. And I'm so glad that I did because it's so fulfilling. I've never had a role that I felt like encompassed every single thing that I wanted to do from a passion standpoint, and I have a model that's passion, power, and purpose, and I feel fulfilled every day in this role. Now, are there challenges? Yes, there are many challenges, but I know that I'm supposed to be here, and mm-hmm. this is the work that I'm supposed to be doing as I honor the legacy of Reverend Haynes, but build my own. Well, they are lucky to have you.
0: And how do they you make the shift from
1: from uh, banking into into into, politics and government. So,
2: well, it was definitely, a, it was not a straight and narrow path. So I started again in banking, but then um, when I had my daughter, I decided I didn't want to travel anymore. I was going to AMSouth to um, Birmingham a lot with AMSouth. And I just, at that time, decided to purchase an income tax franchise. So um, I so this is um, my second time being in entrepreneurship, but I purchased an income tax franchise, um, left the bank, did that for many years, While doing that, um, one of my good colleagues, Charlie Justice at the time was at USF Alumni Board with me, told me about um, uh, Jim Davis's uh, need for someone in St. Petersburg. And I put my name in the hat for that position, started working for Jim Davis. And then, of course, you know, he ran for governor um, against Charlie Chris back then. Um, He lost that uh, race and. I had an opportunity to work for another nonprofit in between there. And then when Congresswoman Castor um, won the seat, she asked me to come work for her. And then after that, I actually went to the Urban League for the first time for one year under Reverend Haynes. Mm. He recruited me from Congresswoman Castor's office.
1: So that's why he wanted you back.
2: Well, yes. (laughs) So I definitely worked hard with him for um, that one year. But during that time... Uh, Mayor Christman asked me to come over to the city and work with him. And that's where I went as his, I think, third appointee um, and had a great career there for eight years. Um, But when I left the city, I decided to go back into entrepreneurship as consulting. And then now I'm here.
1: So if you're wondering, listeners, how you become a wave maker, it's not always a straight path.
2: It is not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In the last few seconds,
2: yeah. How do people
0: get in touch with the Urban League and how do they get involved? we got about
2: 20 seconds. Please reach out to us at Pinellas County Urban League, PCUL.org. Um, you can follow us on all the socials. Um, we are really doing the best that we can to get that information out there. And I just want to thank all of you. I'm such a fan of WMNF and particularly the Gospel Classic Hour and now Wave Makers. Excellent. So I will be renewing my membership okay. ASAP. And, Excellent. And please thank,
1: do the same, listeners.
2: Stay tuned
0: for um, Alternative Radio up next. followed by It's the Music with Harrison Harrison (laughs) Nash This is WMNF